Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a program about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown, and in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers, and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms, and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE, where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. Now, given the COVID-19 scenario, we've moved to recording our interviews via Skype but hopefully you won't notice any difference in the quality. My guest today is Ruth Gilligan, a best-selling Irish novelist, journalist and university lecturer. She wrote her debut book, Forget, in 2006 when she was just a teenager and as a result she became the youngest person ever to top the Irish bestsellers list. Since then she has written three novels across the commercial and literary fiction genres and her latest one is called The Butchers, a story about the lives of four people during the BSE crisis. Originally from Dublin, she now lectures in creative writing at the University of Birmingham. And Ruth's face might also be familiar to you as she once played the role of Laura Halpin in Fair City. Now, Ruth, no matter how many literary or other accolades you accumulate, and you do have many, you'll never be able to outrun your Fair City connection, will you? Uh, it's true. I just burst out laughing as you mentioned it there because I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. So it is so funny how it like follows me around. But I mean, people have amazing memories. Bearing in mind, I left Fair City in 2004. So like that's fully 16 years ago. Um, and only a few weekends ago, back when the world was normal, uh, I was in Ennis for the book club festival. And honestly, people were coming up to me in the street being like, oh, you're the girl from Fair City. So it's incredible how long the legacy continues. There you um, go. Quite remarkable. And were you writing when you were in Fair City? Because you were only a teenager at the time, weren't you? Yeah, so I was in Fair City between the age of 12 and 16. Um, And actually, uh, the first book that you mentioned, Forget, I wrote as a transition year project. So I wrote that at the age of 16. So I remember actually borrowing a laptop from my dad's work and taking it into the dressing rooms of RTE to work on this school project that I'd been asked to do and for which I had decided to write a novel. So yeah, the two just overlapped and then I kind of finished up in Fair City and then um, a year and a half later the book came out so yeah there was a brief overlap between the writing and the acting. What do you mean you decided to write a novel as part of your secondary school project I mean where did that come from? Well basically in transition year in my school we had to do a project on anything we liked so we had a nine month deadline and we had no remit it had to be 50 pages and it could be on anything you wanted so like I had friends who did one on like the Titanic or World War II or JFK And basically, I had always wanted to write a novel. So I decided, well, I've got a deadline and I've got a, you know, a reason to to do it. So I went out and I bought a book called How to Write a Novel and I read it and then I wrote a novel. And how did you get a publisher? Well, that was like that then kind of was a series of very fortunate events. I mean, I literally did write the book purely as a school project. I had no intention. It hadn't even crossed my mind to look into publication or whatever. Bearing in mind, I was just 16 at the time. So literally the, the thought just didn't enter my head. But then basically friends of friends of friends of friends Um, knew Patricia Scanlon, the author, um, and she somehow got her hands on a copy of my school project. And then she phoned me up one day, completely out of the blue. I'd never met this woman before in my life. And she called me to say, hi, Ruth, I read your book. Um, It's a mess, but I think you have a voice (laughs) and I'd like to help you edit it. So she used to have me around to her house and she would talk me through the book and she would say, you know, this bit is good because and this bit is rubbish because. And she basically sent me away to completely rewrite the whole thing. And then when I had done that, she gave it to her publishers and they said, yeah, we like this. Would you like a book deal? And I thought, my goodness, yes, I would. (laughs) And amazing to get help from one of Ireland's most prolific writers. 
yeah I mean it's just like the generosity was just insane as I said I didn't know this woman from from Adam from Eve um so the fact that she just went out of her way to to help me out I mean I still to this day you know we're obviously still in touch and I call her my my fairy godmother um because yeah it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for her so I I I still am just beyond grateful for her that she kind of I don't know just had that insane generosity to reach out to me and, and kind of give me that lift and it turned out then you were the youngest ever person in Ireland to reach number one on the bestsellers list with that actual book. So was that a confidence booster or was it pressurising? Um, it was definitely a confidence booster. I mean, you have to remember at this time, like it was, um, it sounds like a little trite now, but it like it was such a mad time in general. Like I had just got my, the book came out like the same week as I got my leaving cert results. I then went off to Ayanapa on my sixth year holiday. While I was in Ayanapa, I got a text from uh, the publicist who worked for the publishing company to say, your book is number one. I then came back from Ayanapa, packed my bags and moved to England for university. So within the space of that kind of month, it was just like the most crazy time ever between yeah, the leaving the sixth holiday, the number one, and then starting university in a different country. So um, it was kind of incredible, but it was a lot to kind of process at one time because there was just so much going on at that period. And it was a two book deal then, so you had to write another one. I did, yeah. So I had started that one um, already that summer. Um, and ironically, the second book is about the summer in between school and university. So, um, and features a six year holiday to Ayanapa. So, you know, very, uh, very you know, almost a research trip, you could call it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so then that book came out then the following year um, in, in, in 2007. So, um, so yeah. And did you find it easier to write about what you knew? Yeah, I mean, look, I think all writers when they're starting out, like that's the piece of advice they get is to write what you know. And I think, um, you know, and as I said, when I started Forget, like I really did just write it as a school project. Like I did not ever think about it being read by anyone else except maybe my English teacher. Um, So uh, but basically when I was going into it, I was like, I would like to write the kinds of books that I would like to read, because at that point, like even in 2000s, Four, I suppose, when I started the book, like young adult fiction didn't have the same kind of um, status or amazing writers that it has now. So in terms of just books about kind of teenagers, young adults growing up, coming of age, doing stupid stuff. Like I used to read all my my mum's like her Marion Keys and her Patricia Scanlon and all these books about people um, and their different family relationships in their lives, but all very much kind of women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. And I was like, why aren't there books like this, but about women in their teens or early 20s like where are those books so in a way yes I did kind of set out to to write books based on my own personal experience because a I felt those books didn't exist and b it was easy or easier sorry it wasn't easy at all but it was easier than you know going off and trying to research something I didn't know about so no I very much kind of stuck to to personal experience at least in the first instance and what reaction then did you get from peers of your own age I mean obviously my friends thought it was kind of great and they still joke that like they feel like our last couple of years of school and that whole period is almost like immortalized in print so they obviously thought it was great I mean my you know at the same time they're very good at like keeping me grounded like I went to a mixed school so kind of the lads especially you know there was never any sense that I would get big-headed or carried away with it all so yeah it was kind of like cool but nothing 
nothing more than that. It, you know, it was, I remember so clearly when we were in Ayanapa on our six year holiday and the first one, as I said, had just come out and, you know, we'd be walking along the beach and you would see people on the beach reading the book. And like, that was completely nuts to me because I just couldn't quite fathom that that was happening. So that was pretty cool. The flip side was that like, I don't know what people do, not all people, but some people do have this kind of um, inherent reaction to when someone is has done something successful to like take them down so I just remember like even on that holiday or just um in future like I would bump into people and I guess because of Fair City or whatever sometimes people my face was 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 recognizable and they would be like oh you're the girl who wrote the book yeah I read it it's rubbish like that's totally fine people are entitled to their opinions but like this happens like quite a lot and it does I didn't know whether it was like oh wow a lot of people just think my book is crap or if it was almost just like a default reaction that people when they come across you their instant reaction is to say yeah your book was rubbish even if they hadn't even read it so that was like quite a you know when you're still 18 and this is all very new and you're still kind of figuring yourself out as well as lots of other things like that was quite a but I, to be honest I'd experienced that with the Fair City thing as well like I used to get recognized when I was in Fair City and be like oh you're in Fair City yeah you're a terrible actress and you'd be like oh thanks I don't know you um so that was like a really weird it's a really weird instinct to recognize in in some people um that as I said their default is to kind of to put you down um which was strange and did that impact then on your motivation to write not really because like I you know I I loved doing it I, I do you know I've always been like a very like creative person so like for a while I thought the acting was going to be the thing that like was my kind of creative channel and like before Fair City I'd done some theatre work and stuff and I loved that but then I found the writing and I was like oh actually this is this is my thing and this is this is the the vehicle for my my creativity so I I just loved it so I was never going to be dissuaded from that um also as you said like by this point I was I had a contract so I had a, a deadline and I had to write you know more books so that's also quite a good incentive to to keep going and look I mean for all the as I said, for all the kind of negative comments that I would get, the flip side was like, as you mentioned, forget went to number one. So, I mean, it can't have been that bad. So, um, you know, you have to re- remind yourself of these things sometimes um, to kind of uh, keep the spirits high. But no, I just like, honestly, the writing, it's still just the thing that kind of makes my soul sing. So I was never, it was never in question that I was going to keep going with that. And at this point, you were in the UK, you were in Cambridge um, studying, if, if that's correct. And you wrote a third one. But then there's a big gap between the third one, which was also commercial fiction, before the next one came out, which sort of was a bit of a switch into more literary fiction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as it turns out, there was like a full seven year gap. Like, can you see me? My third book came out in 2009 and then Nine Falls Make a Paper Swan didn't come out till 2016. So, yeah, there was a full gap. And basically, I just decided having published the first three books and, as you said, very kind of commercial. And as I said, very, very based on personal experience and kind of falling into that that young adult or that commercial genre um I kind of you know started to take stock at this point like I'd finished as you said my undergrad degree at Cambridge and at this point I was you know starting to realize that the writing which in a way I had not quite fallen into but it had as I said been a series of very fortunate events you know I was starting to realize that yes this is something that I want to do like long term and as my career um but equally I was starting to wonder well are these definitely the kinds of books that I want to continue writing? Um, so I kind of decided I would take a bit of a break um, and I ended up doing a creative writing master's um, and then also creative writing PhD. So that's kind of what I was doing in that little 
seven year hiatus. Um, and yeah, I just kind of decided that although, you know, as I said, writing books based on my personal experience, you know, had been a good place to start. You know, I also realized that those actually weren't the books that I loved reading anymore. You know, actually, I loved reading novels that are set in completely different countries or cultures or periods of history or whatever like novels where I felt that I kind of learned something as well as kind of emotionally connecting with them and I suddenly was like well I wonder if I can write those kinds of novels Um, and if so how does one go about doing that so that was kind of they were some of the things that I was trying to figure out as I said when I took that hiatus and 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 did various kind of studies um to to try and get better at at, at finding the answers to those questions and then yeah in, in 2016 then I published um Ninefold to make a paper swan, which is not based on personal experience at all. In that, it's inspired by the history of the Jewish community in Ireland, and I'm not Jewish myself. And it was a community I knew basically nothing about growing up, but you know, went away and and did a lot of research and decided, ooh, this is really fascinating stuff, and I think would make a, a gorgeous subject for a novel. So, so yeah, so there was a there was a huge gap and almost like a reinvention um, to the point that like some people that I had worked with. We're like, oh, you know, maybe you should consider changing your name and publishing your new stuff under a different name, Um, which like I wasn't that keen on because basically there was sort of an implication that I would want to kind of separate myself from my previous books. Um, And I think that also speaks a little bit to like a snobbishness that there is in the publishing industry between kind of commercial women's fiction or chiclet or whatever people want to call it and like literary highbrow fiction. And, And I think people were you know, some people thought, well, maybe I should, you know, separate myself from like my previous silly books. And now that I was writing, you know, proper serious books, but I was kind of really reluctant to think of it like that because A, I think that whole snobbishness in the industry is complete nonsense. Cause I think that, you know, people like Marion Keyes or Patricia Scanlon or other commercial writers are bloody brilliant. And I don't think those books are, are lesser or inferior in any way. Um, and B, like, I didn't see the two, the two, my previous books and my current books, even if I describe it as that, like, they're not totally different. Like, in a way, one of the things I discovered when I went away and did my master's and my PhD and all of that is that, like, actually, regardless of what genre, what subject matter, whatever you're tackling, you know, the same things matter to readers. Like, you still want characters that they're going to invest in. You still want a good storyline. You still want there to be some kind of emotional resonance, especially at the end. So actually you know all these kind of genres and these uh, these different uh, boxes that we try to fit people into they they they're sort of meaningless and they're sort of just a marketing exercise in many cases so so yeah needless to say i did not change my name or try and run away from my previous books and yes i just kind of took a break and and then came back and did you find much difference between writing the initial ones and then writing the more recent ones Ah, yeah. Like, I mean, I did do a lot of research for for the last two. Like I, you know, the the fourth book that I just mentioned, Ninefolds, Make a Paper Swan, like that, I wrote that as my PhD. So I spent a full three years researching that, like traveling around Ireland, interviewing members of the Jewish community, went over to Israel to in, interview the Irish community that now lives over there. Like I did like a lot of archival stuff, like a, loads of research um, and then had to figure out, well, now that I have all this re- research, how on earth does one kind of translate that into a novel um, a piece of fiction with as I said characters and a storyline and emotions and twists um so that was a real uh, that was a learning curve for me and I was so glad that I was doing it as a PhD because it meant I had a supervisor who I saw every six weeks who would like look at the things that I had produced and say oh Ruth this is awful go away and do it again <laughs> um so it was great to kind of have 
him to hold my hand while I was doing that. Um, and then the most recent book, The Butchers, which has just come out, you know, that's set in 1996 up in the border counties during the BSE crisis, which like, you know, I was alive in 1996. I was eight and I remember BSE insofar as, you know, we didn't eat burgers for a few months. Um, but, but in terms of kind of what was actually going on at that time, and especially amongst the farming communities and especially up along the border in terms of, uh, you know, certain cattle smuggling or contraband deals that were taking place or even just the politics of the beef industry in general. Like this, this was all stuff that I had absolutely no knowledge of prior to researching this novel. So, yeah, I mean, it's a totally different endeavor, these books, because I do spend genuinely like a few years just kind of digging and researching and interviewing people and rustling through archives, trying to find little little gems. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a different process, but I find it really, really rewarding. And in terms of the butchers, then, where did that idea come from? It actually all came about truthfully, um, and I keep kind of trying to give him as much credit as he deserves. But a very good friend of mine, um, who I used to live with in London, um, he he's from Tipperary, and his father used to be a large animal vet. And basically, we went on a road trip once, and to kill the time, he started telling me funny stories about his dad's job and kind of things he'd seen down the years, and mad things and dodgy things that he'd seen down the years. So basically, uh, and somehow then we got talking about 1996 and the BSE crisis and and the beef industry in the 90s and all of that and as I said this was stuff that I just hadn't had any real prior knowledge of whatsoever so um yeah I don't really know how my brain works but basically I remember coming away from that road trip and just a little spark had gone off and I was like oh that was that was some quite juicy stuff actually I think that would that would make a good story um and then basically when it came to sitting down and figure out what my next novel was going to be about. I realised that actually all along my brain had been storing that away and uh, and was kind of saying, yeah, I think I think that's going to be the starting point. So, so yeah, it was all, all, all thanks to a few funny stories from a Tipperary man on a, on a road trip many years ago. And it's actually, it is a very complex picture of rural Ireland and you're sort of mixing contemporary in the past and there's also Irish folklore in there. Um, what I was interested in is, you're from Dublin though, not the country. So how did you get such a strong insight into the rural way of life? Yeah, I mean, I did do again a lot of research and that was that was you know reading lots of books and going through archives and I read kind of every every newspaper that was published in the year 1996 to kind of steep myself into the kind of everything that was going on at that time uh, but then again yeah I did kind of go up to the border counties Cavan Monaghan um, and interview farmers um, and chat to them about their just their daily life and then also their particular memories from that period um and they were you know some of them were shyer than others but you know by the time you kind of warmed them up got them going they were always happy to share share the odd stories so um and also truthfully like just reading other fiction like you know reading the novels of John McGahern will give you a pretty gorgeous insight into what rural life during that period was like so I, I do always think that like reading other other books or other fictional works can be a great source of, of research as well. Um, but no, I'm very grateful to those 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 guys who were willing to kind of, um, I just felt like I just remembered feeling like such an Egypt, as you say, the Dubliner turning up on their, <laughs> their farms with my sparkling clean wellies being like, hello. Uh, but luckily they were they were very generous and were able to give me a, a tale or two, which, which eventually worked their way into the novel. And who knew that we'd be in the middle of another health crisis now when this book was published? 
I know it is actually mad because the, the really ironic thing is that when I started this book, because as I said, it takes me quite a while to write them because I do so much research. So I started this book in kind of 2015, which bear in mind was was pre Brexit referendum. So then, you know, I'm suddenly working on this book that is set you know, along the border and as about, as I say, the smuggling of contraband goods and, and all this stuff going on there and, and the tension between what's going on in the UK and what's going on in Ireland. And then bloody Brexit happened. So whoever I, whenever I spoke to people being like, oh, what are you working on at the moment? And I would tell them, they'd be like, oh, that's a very timely novel. Because obviously the media was full of talk of the border and the backstop and England and Ireland and relations between the two and blah, blah, blah. So I thought, to be honest, that was going to be like, the talking point or the reason the book might be accused of being you know timely or whatever and then behold and lo we now find ourselves in this whole new reality and suddenly the idea of there being a disease spreading across the country and you know people being um you know not knowing how to react to it and and the media fueling fear or reassurance in in different measures according to where you get your news or who you're listening to and and the kind of tension between scientists and rumor and fact and yeah it is completely nuts to me that suddenly the book has a whole new reason for being quote-unquote timely um so yeah I, I can't quite believe the way it's kind of panned out maybe your psychic Ruth maybe, perhaps yeah I would uh, yes let's not let's, I will only try and envisage nice things for the future I promise <laughs> and in terms of your writing then do you write every day I try to. I mean, being completely honest, I'm like, as you mentioned, I'm a full time university lecturer. So during um, term time, um, I, you know, every semester I say I'm going to get more writing done. But but I just don't, because between delivering lectures and, you know, having tutorials with students and doing the marking and lesson planning, it, it just it takes up so much time and frankly, headspace. So really, it's during the the holidays that I get my writing done. So that's kind of Easter, summer and Christmas. Um, but yeah, during those breaks, I definitely try to write every day. Um, I think, you know, I'm lucky that when, even when I did my PhD, like I was living in a house with people who were lawyers and bankers and consultants and all had, you know, sensible desk jobs that were kind of nine till five, six, seven, eight, whatever. So, you know, it was in my interest to treat my PhD and the very same way so that I would kind of show up in the morning and put in a day's work and then by the time they all got home in the evening then we could all hang out together um so that practice has kind of stuck with me um so now like my husband's a lawyer and he goes out in the mornings to work or at the moment all the way to our dining table um and he does his kind of day's work and I do my day's work so yeah I do try and stick to a pretty rigid you know normal kind of nine to five or later uh, day and how does your experience then as an actual published author feed into the teaching aspect? Yeah, I mean, it's lovely, really. Like, I I really am very fortunate. I see the teaching and the writing as two sides of the same coin very much. And I think, you know, for the one thing, I think my students, um, I mean, I don't want to speak for them, but I think they kind of like the fact that I, like my, my colleagues, are, you know, we're all published writers and and and. And also, like, we're all still publishing. I think some creative writing departments, you have a couple of people who, like, published a novel 20 years ago. But, you know, the idea that we're still part of the publishing world and, and producing new work, um, I think they kind of enjoy the insights that we're able to bring in terms of what's happening in the publishing scene, like, right now, um, and being able to offer them insight and anecdotes uh, from our own experience. Um, from, from, like, a slightly more selfish point of view, like, I love the fact that basically every day I get to turn up for seminars with a, a group of kind of young bright 
students and we sit around talking about books and stories and the craft of writing and figuring stuff out together and I, I genuinely believe that like I take away a lot from those sessions because it just forces me to you know not get complacent and to be constantly thinking about my craft and, and why things work and how to master certain techniques and, and all that kind of nuts and bolts stuff um, which I think you know you should never stop learning so I think I think I'm very lucky as I said that 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 kind of thinking is sort of built into my my routine because because as I said the lecturing really does go hand in hand with the with the creative process as well and what are you working on at the moment I am I have started the new one because you know as you know the the moment between finishing a book and it actually coming out into the bookshop takes about 18 months so the butchers I actually finished yonks ago so I am starting a new one which is very different again every book seems to be a whole new thing uh but this one is kind of about in a way like it's going again full circle because slightly more autobiographical again but it's about um it's about a woman in her 30s who's basically figuring out whether or not she wants to have children um but it's also linked to her own mother who went missing when she was a teenager um and the search for that so a lot of kind of mother daughter stuff going on um and it's also set in the art world so um lots of nice art along the way as well interesting we look forward to that one and come here will we ever see you back on screen I would say that's quite unlikely. I mean, not least because, you know, I've been replaced. Like, my character <laughs> is, is back in Fair City, but it's not me. Um, they just, you know, there is another young lady with brown hair who uh, now occupies the role of Laura Halpin. So, yes, I don't think I will be uh, making an appearance um, there anytime soon. Uh, no, I mean, I actually like I literally I did in my first term at Cambridge, I did one play. Um, and since then, I haven't I haven't acted a bit. Um, so, uh, no, as I said, the writing, the writing is the thing. And um, I would much rather just spend all my time and energy trying to get trying to get better at that. Um, so I won't be won't, I don't think, be exploring other other routes for now. And do you think your books, though, might transfer to screen? I don't know. I mean, it's funny, like people always ask that and I think I don't know like the previous one Ninefolds like was not I didn't think would make a good script I like being completely honest um, and obviously totally biased uh, I reckon the butchers would make a good good (laughs) screenplay but I I would say that wouldn't I Uh, so yeah I mean look who knows I think I have enough friends who are writers who like have had their books optioned or have had them really go quite far along scripts written producers production companies attached blah blah blah, and then it it leads to nothing like that whole the 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 film and tv world is such a different beast which I just do not understand at the slightest but as I said I think so many projects get started but never actually go all the way so I won't be holding my breath but it would be nice Well, Ruth Gilligan, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books and you'll find Ruth's book, The Butchers, online at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at InsideBooksIRE. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on the various audio platforms and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production. 